and welcome to the Mobile Dev Memo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Sufer. My guest on the podcast today is Paul Bannister. Paul is the Chief Strategy Officer at Cafe Media, the world's largest ad management service. The company's collective of creators reaches more than 170 million monthly unique visitors, ranking as the 11th largest digital entry and as the number one in food, family, and home. I'd like you to know that it took me three takes to get that last sentence right. In this episode, Paul and I discuss the future of privacy as it relates to digital advertising. I know Paul exclusively from Twitter, where we have interacted on the subject of privacy and the different motivations of the content platforms around how privacy is defined and how privacy protections are affected. I have found Paul to be a thoughtful and articulate domain expert in the advertising space who is able to capably communicate the nuance of privacy policy and the treatment of policy by the platforms without getting bogged down in distracting minutiae. Paul and I had a very enjoyable discussion around why the platforms, but especially Apple, are developing these new privacy frameworks, how Google's Privacy Sandbox initiative may perform relative to user-based targeting, and what is meant when we use the word privacy to describe how a user behaves or interacts with properties online. Thanks for listening, and please enjoy this conversation with Paul Bannister. Paul, how are you? Hey, Eric. Great to, uh, great to be here. Well, I appreciate you being here. Uh, where are we? Where are we? Where am I speaking to you from today? I am in uh, New York, New York, New York City, New York City, Manhattan, Upper well, West Side, Upper West Side. Wow. Um, you didn't flee for the pandemic or did you already flee and you've already returned? Uh, uh, we fled and we returned. Um, and um, the city is um, the city is pretty good. My kids go to school part time um, and uh, that's been good for them. And um, otherwise, I've, you know, can't go to restaurants or do that much, but feels okay to be here. Wow. Um, I live, <clears throat> excuse me. I lived in New York city for a month, uh, mm-hmm. last year when my son was born, we wanted to do, um, like a tour of all the possible places we thought we'd ever like to live. Well, mm-hmm. we, 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 that was the initial ambition and it got, you know, scaled down. And so we basically just went to, um, to New York, <laughs> but, but we had, we had spent time in, in, in Austin before that. And, and, uh, we had lived in London and those were kind of like the three options and we lived in the East village. And I feel like New York might've been the place we landed, but for the fact that I chose the East village to get an Airbnb and it was not uh, a very easy place to live with like a four month old. And yeah, so exactly. I think that's what sort of tipped us over into the Austin bucket, <laughs> just mm-hmm. the, yep. the, the struggles of living in the East Village with a baby and then extrapolating that to the whole of New York. Um, although I have friends in Brooklyn who, you know, enjoy sort of like suburban-ish lifestyles, um, mm-hmm. and that probably would have been fine too. Um, but hey, this podcast is actually not about living in a big city with a baby. It's about <laughs> uh, the future of privacy. And I wanted to have you on the podcast because we've sort of interacted a few times on Twitter. I think um, you have a really smart perspective on this and a lot has, has been happening recently. Um, and so I thought it would be, um, it, it, we, we would be able to have like a sort of productive and fruitful conversation on the topic. Um, but maybe before we do, I've already introduced you in, in this sort of uh, introduction, but maybe you could sort of briefly uh, provide some, uh, some sense of who you are and what you do and, and then we can get started. Sure. Um, I'm the chief strategy officer at Cafe Media. And, you know, so our, our company 
represents thousands of small and mid-sized independent publishers on the web um, from an advertising perspective. So we sell advertising for them. We run their ad stack for them. We uh, manage all the ad tech partners for them and do all those kind of parts of their business and make it so they can get access to a lot of parts of the advertising ecosystem that are usually closed off to small or medium-sized um, sites and companies. Um, so that's kind of what we do at a high level. Um, we, you know, we obviously are in aggregate, we are Comscore number 11 now. So the collective scale of our publishers is extremely large. And, and to some level, the only companies ahead of us from a scale perspective are platforms like Facebook and Google and things like that. And like the broadcasters like Viacom and Comcast and, and, and really that's it. So, you know, w we believe not only in, you know, creating a great future for our publishers and publishers like ours that are kind of independent publishers out there, but also just like great content in general. Like how do we make it so we can create, you know, in our case, a web, but in general, like ecosystems, open ecosystems that are supported by advertising and, you know, you know, help fund great content via advertising. Um, but knowing that, you know, a key part of what consumers want and the way the market is going is around privacy. Can, how do we make those compatible and make it so we can support great content and also get a more private, you know, world for consumers? So I think one one source of um, maybe the 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 friction here is that definition of like what a more private world for consumers is, right? And who actually gets to articulate that definition, right? And I think um, you know we've kind of you know sort of publicly discussed this on Twitter, um, but I think it'd be great to do it with a little bit more substance. Um, part of that definition, right, is is what Google announced um, a couple of days ago with uh, Fledge. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Fledge is sort of new, right? It, or it's the, it's the kind of, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the newest, um, like sort of expression of how the Turtle Dove framework will work. Mm -hmm. um, you did, a, you, you um, I thought, uh, produced a really, or didn't produce, but participated in a really excellent Turtle Dove primer. Uh, with um, the ad exchanger team, I think anybody that doesn't know what Turtle Dove is uh, could maybe go and, and watch that. It's like 12 minutes, but it's 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 really well done um, and helpful in explaining what it is. Fledge was just announced what on Tuesday on Monday. Um, late late did, on Friday they came out with it. Yeah. Okay, late on Friday, and it just kind of explains. It's it 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 provides a little bit more practical detail about how Turtle Dove will be uh, used. Right. What was your takeaway from that announcement? Um, it, it's somewhat consistent with what I thought might happen. So, so Turtle Dove, you know, even rewinding a bit more, like Google announced roughly a year ago, they're deprecating third-party cookies. They want to replace it with a whole batch of new part, you know, browser technology called, you know, collectively the privacy sandbox. Turtle Dove was kind of a key piece of that. That was about um, how advertisers could segment and how ads ultimately got delivered to users. Um, and it was kind of a big piece of it. And, and Turtle Dove was, and, and is by definition, you know, and, I, and I'm not a privacy uh, researcher, um, but from a lot of people's perspective, it's like quite private. It has a lot of things built into it to really yeah. restrict the flow, of that, the, the flow of information and who can know what about things and who can link things about consumers across sites and things like that. So it really um, went very far down the path of like trying to make advertising very, very private. Fledge is, you know, a good step in that direction. It is an experiment. Um, Fledge, I forget the full exact definition, but it's first locally executed decision 
I forget the G, and the E is experiment. So Fledge over, is an experiment. Over groups. Exactly, over groups, yeah. So Fledge is an experiment for Google to run with ad tech companies to see, okay, this is a stepping stone on the way to something like Turtle Dove. Let's experiment with this. Let's see how it performs. Let's see what works about it. Let's see how we can revise it and move from Fledge today to something that's more like Turtle Dove in the future. Um, so it's it's sort of a, a stepping stone and it, and it looks like a pretty interesting stepping stone. So it'll be interesting to see how it performs when it's out in the world. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how it performs when it's out in the world. Um, we'll see if it lives up to the sort of 95% performance retention standard that um, that Google kind of uh, pronounced for it in the release, right? And and I think you, I hadn't, I discovered this from you, from you tweeting about it, but that's based on basically like uh, uh, um, running uh, trials, right? That's not real advertiser data. That is like simulations. Right. So that, that's based on Flock, which is another part of the privacy sandbox. It's like a different component of how targeting could be done for advertisers. And from from everything I've heard about, it, and I'm, you know, th- there needs to be more information put out in the world, but it appears that the 95% efficiency number that Google put out there about that is based on things that aren't really to do with real world advertising. So it right. seems like a pretty, you know, they made a pretty long jump from data in a lab to how things might work in the world. Right. Um, I think what, what I think, so when I sort of first went down this rabbit hole, I mean, you know, Google had the privacy sandbox white papers and, and they're on GitHub and anybody, you know, can read them and, and they're actually fairly accessible, right? I mean, just in terms of understanding that the, it's a bunch of pseudocode and just mm-hmm. kind of walking through like, um, you know, the advertising life, like cycle or the flow, it's, it is not a, it's not a lot of like technical detail. Um, which is, you know, maybe part of the problem, right? It seems very vague at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, in reading about this and reading about the privacy sandbox, it felt like the kind of the two big innovations here were uh, one, um, that a lot of the uh, mechanics of serving an ad or a lot of the mechanics of the auction were being pushed to the device, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, like these interest groups were sort of, um, being created on the basis of on the basis of like individual behavior, but in a way that's aggregated up to provide for like differential privacy um, in a way that any single person is not really identifiable. And that's being stored on the browser, right? And so like the common word here is browser and Google owns a browser, right? Like I feel like, so my first reaction to this was like, wait a minute, Google is just trying to like um, aggrandize even more control here. Is that like a weird paranoid delusion or does that, is that kind of consistent with, with what you think? Uh, you know, it's like, it's definitely a very commonly held opinion. Um, I am slightly less, I'm paranoid about a lot of things. Um, I'm slightly less paranoid about this only because like a lot of the things that Google is doing here, like they don't need to do for themselves they already have the full browsing history of every single user from Chrome. They already have every single search that person has, has done and every link that they've clicked on. They already have every YouTube video that, that you've watched and they have that all linked to a logged in ID for, you know, you know I don't even know, but 95% of their, of their, their right. audience. Like they don't need more data. They don't need flocks and fledge and things like that because they have better data themselves. So like, while it is right to be suspicious, um, and Google, you know, in the past has certainly done things that have been very self-advantaging. Um, and there may be self-advantaging things in what they're doing here. I think that, you know, uh, uh, you know, 
at least they are trying to create technology that other companies can use to to make advertising work. And that's that's a good thing. So to some level, like I go in with an open mind of like, let's try and work on this together and try to make something really good here while also let's be suspicious and make sure that this really works for us and doesn't advantage them more. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to somewhat take a more balanced overall thought, but we'll see. Um, what, how do you feel about, so I think, uh, you know, if, if you, um, in, in going through the, the white papers, like my sense was that, you know, a- advertisers, and I kind of wrote a, a, a tweet storm about this just because it, it, it feels like, um, you know, pertinent, like advertisers get a lot of, uh, you know, get pilloried for like not understanding ad tech, right? Like if I'm an advertiser and you know, my background is, is, is almost totally in, in mobile apps. Right. Um, which is even worse. It's way worse, but, uh, but you know, I, I understand, you know, I've done some, you know, desktop and, and mobile, mobile web. Um, I've done a fair amount and, and, uh, and, you know, I'm, I think generally speaking, like, you know, people that are doing kind of desktop advertising and, and display advertising on, 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 on desktop and, um, and mobile desktop, they, they understand the kind of mechanics of the process better, but still not, they're, they're not ad tech experts. That's not really, that's not really the, 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 the sort of purpose of their role. The purpose of their role is to drive business outcomes, right? And they don't need to understand what's going on behind the scenes. And I think, you know, a lot of, uh, and it's mostly just on, on Twitter, so I guess it doesn't really matter, but like, there's, there's just a lot of kind of criticism that, that flows in that direction. Like, well, you don't understand this. Um, you don't understand this and, and, and therefore you're getting like manipulated or you're the reason why these sort of like um, privacy violations have happened. Um, but, but I feel like when Google puts these white papers up and you, re- you read through them and you're like, well, okay, if this is, this is the white paper, it's not super technical, but I understand that the implementation is going to be very black box, right? Um, and I, I'm going to have no, like if I have little understanding of like an auction mechanic now, or like, you know, the, the sort of relationship between these various third parties, how the hell am I going to understand how this sort of like black box mechanism works? Right. Um, and then in that case, why would I make any accommodations for it? I'm just going to shift my budget to, you know, to where it's, it's most valuable and, or it's, it's, you know, put to the best use. And so like, I, I, I guess my point is like, if I don't understand the mechanics anyway, right. And I'm not really incentivized to, um, not with performance of my job or, you know, not just like in general fulfillment, you know, through like intellectual kind of growth. It, it, I, I'm not, I'm not going to care, right. I'm not going to care about like turtle dove. I'm not going to care about, uh, you know, the, um, you know, the privacy sandbox. I'm not going to care about all the sort of the five APIs. I just going to put my money where it works best. And that's probably going to be the walled gardens. Right. Does that, and then like, so you have these, the people that are like the hardcore privacy zealots, like, no, 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 you know, this is flawed because it's, it doesn't go far enough. And you're saying, well, like, look, I don't care how far it goes. I just need to put money in and get more money out. Does, is that like, is that something that, that you feel is like a fair way to approach this? Or is, is it, am I just like, you know, a, a dullard who, who needs to, to, to wise up? No, I think that's a hundred percent right. I think, you know, pr- privacy advocates to look at that, that kind of group of people, I think have a very simplistic view of how advertising works. And they're like, advertisers want to do the right thing. They're excited for a world in which they, you know, have to use their marketing skills to reach consumers in more creative ways than, you know, using cross-site tracking. And I'm like, no, they don't. They want business outcomes. They want their life yeah. to be easy. They just want to drive results for their boss and for their company. Like that's what their goal is. Like they're not driven at all by factors of privacy or whatever, like maybe some of them will outwardly say, yes, we care about this and we want to do more and they're going to take actions, but it, it's on the edges. Um, I, I use a, 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 you know, thought exercise sometimes like that, that's kind of tied to what you're saying. Like one day, about a year from today, 
a bunch of media buyers are going to wake up in the morning, log into their DSP, see that their scale has crashed on all of their open web um, uh, advertising campaigns, say, what the heck happened? And move all their money to the walled gardens. Because it's yeah. just easy. They're not, they're not like, so to some of, you know, that ties to a separate point. Like there's a big um, uh, responsibility here on the DSPs for whatever solutions come out of all this privacy sandbox and identity solutions and whatever stuff that we're all talking about these days that the DSPs make it so for the media buyer, it's easy and transparent. They don't care. They don't want to know about, I mean, you know, some small number of them want to know the details, but the vast majority want to do their job and drive business outcomes. And if right. this doesn't drive business outcomes, you're hundred percent right. They're going to spend even more money in the walled gardens. Right. Cause I just, I just feel like, you know, going through the, the privacy sandbox white papers, like that's, I'm sure that, that you already lost a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're like, Nope, too much. And again, like that's accessible. That's written in sort of like human speak. That's written in like pseudocode. If you're already like churning out people from even trying to understand it at the white paper level, because I mean, you're talking about like the privacy budget. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff there Mm -hmm. Um, and it's all like kind of quite theoretical. So it's really hard to understand how that applies to you. And then all I kept reading when I was reading that is like, this is going to suck. Like this is going to hurt, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is okay. I I understand the logic of this completely, but this is going to hurt me. Um, I I think that actually kind of leads into another point, right? Which is like, okay, we talked about, you know, yeah, maybe adver- I'm sure advertisers like advertisers are just, just you know working as a you know sort of performance marketer at a company. You're just a person, like you're just a guy, right? Or you're, you're you know just a, a woman. Like you, you don't, you're not, you're not a, you're not a, a, a regulator, right? And and yeah, I I would prefer to not like violate people's privacies, but 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 who is why is that being defined in that way, right? Like I also as me as a person as a consumer, I like relevant ads. Um, and I think there's, you know, digging into this, you know, you really, I think the motivations seem kind of like nakedly self-serving for start for these companies to start saying, no, 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 we've got to absolutely protect consumer privacy as we define consumer privacy. And also, by the way, it benefits us, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, do I, am I being cynical here? I think you're, you're totally right. And I think, you know, and again, you got to divide Google's decision here into two pieces. They're deciding to deprecate third-party cookies and cross-site tracking, that's an easy decision for them. They like every other browser's done it. Apple's been yelling at them for years about privacy. Like that's a no brainer. Like they can totally do that. They're actually taking the positive step of saying, let's try to figure out some new advertising stuff. Whereas on the, whereas on the reverse side. So, so, so for Google, that's great for them because they can get, they can make open web advertising worse by just following the lead of everybody else in the industry who's already, who's already gone there. So they've got a great advantage that they can, make their business better and hurt others and do it in a way that they've got great cover for, for why they're making that decision. Whereas, you know, Apple started doing this years before and there are, you know, there's a lot of questions and thoughts and I've certainly had a lot of them about like, well, why did they do that? And why do they care about privacy so much? And what, what advantage is in this for Apple and why have they gone so deeply down this path? And that, and I think there's, there's, there's interesting, you know, you know, criminology to some level to, to kind of dig out like why Apple did it, why Google was doing it, try to really understand the motivations and think about those things too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's fascinating because like I, that's, that's kind of where I was heading with this, you know, Google is being reactive, right? And you're right. Like they've sort of, you know, say, oh, we're going to take two years to do this. We're going to take two years to sort of deprecate the third party cookie, give us time, let us come up with some sort of like technology solution. Apple just said, nope, I, ITP. Right. And what happened when they did that? Well, you know, how, I don't know, it was like 80% of budget shifted to Chrome or something, or it was like an 80% increase. It's people are like, no, I'm going to go where I can advertise effectively, right? And why would Apple do that? Well, Apple doesn't benefit in any sort of meaningful way from an open web, right? And, and, and they do explicitly benefit from 
uh, a sort of, um, you know, kind of crippled advertising ecosystem on the web, because then that drives people into their closed ecosystem, which is the app store, right? Um, so yeah. it's, it's, it's just, and, and, and I think, but like Apple being the instigator here saying like, no, 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 uh, we're going to create these new privacy standards. And then, you know, doing that in a sort of um, unilateral way, which then kind of forces the hand of other, other companies who, who are then later makes them feel, uh, makes them sort of like appear to be doing this for like righteous reasons, right? When in reality, they benefit, um, you, you know, pretty dramatically from shifting user attention away from the open web and into their closed ecosystem, right? Which, which you know, uh, dovetails uh, with the IDFA deprecation, right? Yep. And then they're doing the same thing there. I mean, these are two sort of parallel projects, I think, on Apple's part to yep. just wrap their arms around user attention in their closed ecosystem. Right. And, and I think the IDFA dep deprecation supports the point because, and you know, my theory, and I think, I think you've written about this too. I'm sure you've written about this. Um, IDFA deprecation will decrease the value of advertising in the app store ecosystem and make it so more developers use in-app purchasing and, and revenue models that, Google, that Apple makes money on and yep. therefore push apps and developers in that direction. And it's like, that's where Apple gets their, their fees. They make nothing yep. from advertising in the, in the app store. Yeah, I, well, I think, yeah. And I, I, think, I think there's a couple of things there, right? So one is, um, yeah, they wanna drive more revenue through IAPs because that's just you know, how, they, how they generate services revenue from the app store. They wanna push more people in, they wanna like basically kill the model in a lot of ways for a lot of smaller devs to push them into the, like an Apple Arcade type system, right? Where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, this portfolio, they, they don't like freemium games. Um, yeah. They wanna push people into the sort of subscription Apple Arcade uh, uh, product so that, you know, they can monetize uh, users that way and, and, and get content to sort of like kind of support that. Um, I think they do wanna sort of preference and privilege their own ad network on, you know, in the iOS ecosystem. I think the other thing though, is they just wanna re retain control. They wanna regain control, right? Mm -hmm. They lost control. I mean, like having worked in mobile gaming, you know, since the kind of very sort of frothy 2012 period, you know, Apple was Kingmaker, right? Apple was the way your company was going to be successful with the game. You got featured at launch that was easily, you know, a million to 2 million downloads. Uh, could be $10 million in revenue, right? Depending on the game. And that was just how, that was so important. Like you, 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 you did the uh, pilgrimage to Cupertino and, and you, you, you sort of like, uh, you know, uh, did the, the pay on at the feet of the, the app store reps and you begged for feature, please give me featuring, please. We're going to integrate Apple maps. We're going to integrate all this, this, these, these new function, this new functionality coming out in the latest, please give us featuring, please. And then, you know, you benefited from that you know, uh, very handsomely if they gave it to you, right? And like, that's just not the case anymore. No one cares about featuring, right? Facebook is the distribution mechanic for the app store. Facebook is how you get your apps into a lot of consumer hands. It's driving uh, driving uh, uh, paid installs through through Facebook's ad platform and, and, and you know, and Google's UAC platform and, and the different ad networks that exist with the, um, you know, uh, with um, rewarded video and through like mobile DSPs. You know, App, the app store is not a, an important point of distribution. It's almost just like, um, you know, of a sort of perfunctory intermediary step that the user has to go through before installing. It's a point of friction. It's kind of irritating that it exists for the app developer, right? Um, like, you know, I'm having, I'm going to experience some fall off because of the stupid app store page. Why can't I they just directly install? And Apple is sort of saying, no, we run this ecosystem. Like, and I think they also were being kind of threatened in a way from Facebook, like overstepping. 
um, you know, in, in you know, sort of like subsuming a lot of content into the into the big blue Facebook app. And I think this is just a this is just a way for them to say, look, we could probably protect this uh, dynamic for like another five years if we go really aggressive um, and prevent a lot of this stuff. If we don't, we've got maybe two or three, right? And and because ultimately it's going to be open devices connecting to sort of like cloud services, right? Cross cross plat cross hardware form factor, but we could sort of protect this revenue stream for the next five years. If we just very aggressively say, we're going to, we're get, we're basically going to cripple advertising. Um, we're going to kneecap Facebook and it's sort of, uh, you know, usurpation of a lot of the app store functionality. Um, and, and we're going to sort of like force more people into our ecosystem um, in a, in a sort of very sort of myopic way. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, it, it's, it's very convincing Apple's right, you know, they never, they'll never say this out loud, but it's very convincing why they would do these things. And, and privacy as a concept is such a great tool for them to talk about and, and be all high and mighty and grand about like how they're protecting consumers. But at the end of the day, it's all about driving their business goals. It's all about, you know, protecting, you know, their ecosystem and protecting their control and things like that. And it's not, you know, maybe it's about the consumer, but it's way more about their business than it is about anything else. Well, here's my here's my take on that because like okay it's about the consumer right it's oh we're protecting the consumer well first of all the consumer is not you know some uh pollyanna-ish you know uh you know uh naif that needs protecting right i mean there's nothing really that dangerous happen like it's you know no one's in danger no one's uh you know address is being plastered all over the open web through their interaction with, you know, mobile games, right? For, you know, creeps and, and stalkers to come find them. Like, you know, no one's hiding in your bushes because you played a mobile game, right? This idea that, hey, we're protecting the consumer. Well, not really. You're stuffing this pop-up with scary loaded language to sort of prejudice someone to click no, opt out. No, I don't want, of course, I don't want to get tracked. I don't want somebody looking at me through a telescope. That's what tracking is. I don't want someone following me, right? I don't, that's, that sounds scary. Like they're not saying what they're not saying is if you wanted to empower the consumer with enough information to make an informed choice, what you'd say is, hey, um, these apps are able to be free uh, because the advertising ecosystem um, uh, aggregates a lot of data about how you how you behave in them. And it knows when you monetize. And so it's able to target you as a monetizer, kind of knowing that you'll spend money in that app. Right. And so if you don't want that to be the case, then click opt out. But if you want to continue to have access to your favorite free apps. Um, and, and in some cases they're free because they just sell ads to you and in some in that are that are personalized. And so they make enough money to operate in a free way. And in some cases they're they're uh, they're free because you know they're able to acquire the best users based on these historical profiles. If you want to have continue you know continued uh, access to free apps, then click yes. If you don't, then click no. That would be real consumer choice. What no, you're gonna get tracked. If you click yes, you're gonna get tracked all over the web. You know, there's gonna be someone spying on you. Yeah. Uh, they're going to know what you're typing in. You know, like that's that's the loaded language they're using. And that's not real consumer choice. It seems so disingenuous to even frame it that way. I, I, I agree with you. I do think that, you know, the ad tech ecosystem broadly has done a horrifically bad job of regulating itself. Like, I, I, I tend to agree with you, like the harms that come from privacy um, issues tend to not be caused by cross-site tracking or cross-app tracking. However, at, there's a bunch of, slimy ad tech companies that are doing God knows what with people's data. And they're not doing, they're not to your point, they're not like tracking people down at their homes, but they're doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. And I think that, that our ecosystem should, should have done and should do in the future, a far better job cleaning up our act and making it so 
it's not such an easy target. Like, sure, if there's a bunch of, you know, crummy companies out there doing weird stuff, like, like it's such an easy thing for, for Apple and Google and others to pick on and say, these people aren't doing it the right way. Trust us, we're your advocate. T- totally fair. Totally, that's totally fair. I mean, I've, I've even, I wrote an article. I said, IDFA is the hydrocarbon of mobile advertising. It's just been mm-hmm. abused, right? And I, mm-hmm. I, that's, that's absolutely fair. Like there are scummy, sleazy companies abusing um, that data. But I think also like if App- Apple just sort of like making this decision unilaterally without sort of working with the kind of the, 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 the ecosystem of developers that have made billions of dollars for them. Because, okay, if you want to if you want to harm ad tech companies, go for it. I have no objection to that. I'm not like, you know, sort of I don't have like any sort of like ideology here. Um, that, you know, advertise, everything must be open and all data must be accessible. But what you're doing is you're hurting advertisers, you're hurting advertisers, you're hurting app developers, you're hurting mm-hmm. the open web, right? Yeah. Like that's not, that's, that's, that seems like it's objectively a bad thing. It's not, and, and, and just the, the idea that they're sort of like, um, they're so sanctimonious about it. No, 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 no. We're, we're helping the consumer. We're helping them make a choice. No, you're not. You're not actually giving them all the information that they, they need to be armed with to make like a rational choice there. You're scaring people with scary language um, in a way that's just really easy to sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, manifest your end goal here, which is to have as many people opt out as possible, right? Which is to have as, 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 you know, as, as little sort of, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, data, you know, sort of like aggregated around behavioral uh, proclivities as possible and to, to cripple these advertising ecosystems, right? That's the end goal. So why don't you just state it that way? Right. Right. Of course, I, they, I, of course they won't. Of course. Yeah. And, and I make the point um, on a couple of occasions, I've talked about this, that, you know, to oversimplify, I view privacy as having kind of two big pieces. One is privacy is about not having your data shared across companies. And that's right. the thing that um, advertiser, that, that, that's the thing that, that Apple and Google and others have really, and Firefox have really focused on saying, let's stop this cross company sharing. But the, 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 the other side of it is uh, privacy in my mind is not having your data misused, not making it so, um, you know, p- p- that your data is used for bad purposes. And there are lots and lots of bad things that, that your data can be used for. And my concern and what I see is that by, by blocking, you know, the first thing, they've started centralizing data in a smaller and smaller number of very large companies where even with the stopping of cross-site tracking, Facebook still knows ludicrous amounts about every single person. Google knows yeah. insane amounts of every single person. As Apple builds, builds its own ad network and other tools, they're going to know crazy amounts about people. So those companies can know everything about people, but no one else can learn anything about them because the cross-company stuff is the bad thing. And it's like, well, I'm not totally sure that that's the bad, the bad problem here. Right. And which was which was what was totally disingenuous then about, you know, having that separate setting for the Apple's own right. <laughs> ad exactly. network. Which, uh, no, we're, no, it's fine if we do it because, you know, we own the phone you're using, but it's just bad if 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 that data is like, well, OK, you know, if you're going to apply this to other people, you need to apply it to yourself. Which right. actually, I don't even really know what happened with that setting. I think they got rid of it because it was just really bad PR. Oh, really? <laughs> Funny. Yeah. It's also um, interesting, like you, you, you're talking about this, but like, um, you know, the approaches here and, you know, Apple's approaches, here's the decision. Like the, the, the fact that they de- delayed the IDFA changes by a few months was like, yeah. that was the most enormous thing ever because Apple actually like kind of relented a little bit. Right. Um, but other than that, it's like they made the decision and they're judge, jury and executioner. Google to their credit, at least is saying, let's work together and figure this out. And again, who yeah, knows yeah. where this all ends up, but at least they're trying to have some 
involvement with the ecosystem, try to gather feedback and try to do something in a, in a semi-transparent way. Like, okay, like, like, again, like that's why I'm sort of like, let's lean in and try to, you know, work with them and try to make something better. Right, right. And, and that's, yeah, I mean, I, it was kind of shocking that Apple um, did relent, although they had to, they had to, no one was ready. I mean, that would have mm-hmm. been a disaster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it just like, the, the, so, well, speaking of private, right? I mean, Apple as a company just operates in like, you know, this, in this um, just, just very sort of like in the shadows kind of like secretive way. And even within, within the groups within the company, right? Like, so it's, you know, the, you may not like the ads team may not have known what the app store team was doing and the app store team may not have known, you know, what the sort of like, you know, the, the sort of um, the, the policy group was, was thinking like, so yeah, there's just like, it's hard to even coordinate internally, I think is, is what I've heard. And so like, you know, Apple's like a big, uh, it's just a, a big sort of collection of like fiefdoms, right. Uh, you know, that are led by these big personalities. Um, and, and they, 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 they don't, they're not very transparent with, with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually, I was, I was pretty amazed that that even ha- happened. Um, but I, I think like, you know, just the, just the fact that Apple, I, I don't think they even really grokked like the, the damage that this would cause. Right. Like, I think right. they, you know, I think they knew to some degree, like, yeah, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt these big ad tech companies. I don't think they understood like how, how much of their, I mean, I think the app store team does, but how much of the services revenue is dependent on people being able to sort of drive installs and, and find relevant users and, and, and reach people with like the right messaging. Right. Right. I think, you know, uh, you know, Apple is a, you know, the, I think still the largest company in the world. Like how can they possibly under, how can anybody who works there possibly understand the needs of smaller companies and, and, and right. other things outside of their walls? Like, I, I like, like they're going to operate as this giant quasi, you know, nation state that, you know, makes its own decisions and does whatever it wants to do. And I, I don't see how they can understand what, what the needs of other companies are. Right. So what, where do you think this, this all heads? Like, let's say, you know, you, you talked about a year from now, a bunch of people log into the DSPs and they see that like, you know, the kind of revenue's collapsed and um, what, what, where does this, where is this going? Like what's, you know, what, what, what are the sort of knock-on effects of this? I continue to be hopeful that, you know, in collaboration with Google, you know, the companies that are engaged in the process around the privacy sandbox can, you know, make advertising better. Like I am, cautiously optimistic still that that can happen again uh, to your point like very paranoid that it won't um and you know you know on our side doing a lot of things in terms of you know mitigating issues and and working on lots of different fronts because i think you can't you can't put all your eggs in one basket but you know maybe we can build something pretty good to your point like the privacy sandbox the the proposals like they're pretty straightforward like you can read them be like okay like if this works and these things happen this way like maybe that can work. Like maybe DSPs can be changed. Maybe, you know, again, if it's easy for buyers and it works just, you know, basically as well, that could be okay. That could be okay. So it's like, that's like, that's like goal one is like, can we get to that, that better place? And, and can we work together on that? Um, and, and other than that, it is just mitigation. Like how do we figure out other things we can do that are, um, you know, that will support advertising. And again, support, you know, I agree with your point that you said before, like, like, advertising can be a force for good. Like, like, like it supports great content. It supports journalism. It supports these things that are like critical to democracy and, and freedom of access and, and, and things that really matter. Um, how do we do it in a better way? And, and how do we build towards that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, it, it also just depends on what the sort of intention of all this was. Cause if Apple, if Apple really was, 
um, motivated by protecting, you know, a, a sort of notion of privacy that they feel like is, um, you know, noble and good. Then if this were, if, if, if turtle dove were fledge works, right. And that, you know, it, that supports their sort of definition and also it performs pretty well, then they should say, great. You know what? We sort of forced this upheaval, but the end result was kind of a, a you know, roughly, roughly similar, outcomes for advertisers and consumers are protected. If their intention was to just destroy advertising to push people, it's never going to be enough. Because they know right. interest groups, interest groups, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, uh, well, the way that we define privacy that violates, that violates that definition. And so therefore right. consumers privacy. And that's, that's the question here. What, you know, if, if the goalposts are constantly evolving, because the actual end, end, uh, the, the sort of end goal for Apple is, I want to push everybody into my app store ecosystem, and I want to control distribution, nothing's ever going to be enough. Right, right. And, and I agree with that point a lot. And also, when you think about it from a consumer perspective, I question, you know, T Turtle Dove and Fledge and Flock and these things like they allow retargeting as a, as a, as a good use case to talk about, mm -hmm. where if I'm on, um, you know, Zappos looking at sneakers, and then I see sneaker ads following me around the internet, like that's the creepy advertising that nobody right. likes and feels like they're being tracked. Those things could work in Fledge and Flock and, and right. Turtle and things like that. And like, does the does the perception of the loss of privacy matter more than the actual privacy? Because because like, who can explain to consumers differential privacy and federated learning and homomorphic right. encryption and these things that like, yes, I know as a big nerd that those things actually are good and work. But yeah. like, how do you explain that to consumers? Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, because also this stuff just like percolates up. Um, you know, and 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 it, it, it you can never disabuse that belief once it's become widespread enough right like boz wrote on twitter we do not listen to you we don't use your microphone when you're not using facebook to listen to what you're saying and then target ads that way zuck said that in the senate hearings we don't listen to you right we just can't we don't do that and but people oh no they're listening to me they're, you right. know they're, they've, got, they've got you know there's ears in the walls like they're listening to everything i say and they're at they, but you could talk to people and they swear that that's i mean part of it you know is but you know, boz's twitter feed only goes so far but zuck said this mm -hmm. it was on c-span it got covered by the you know every major newspaper yep. no 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 they're definitely listening to me so like yeah it's that it's that perception of creepiness which really drives i think um you know a lot of this a lot of this uh it opens the door for Apple to say, no, you know, we've got to clamp down because people are being listened to, you know, right. not, not, they won't say that, but like, wink, wink, people's privacy is being violated. And I mean, mm -hmm. I don't want to sound like I, I think privacy is like, um, you know, anachronistic, like, you know, people are entitled to a certain level of privacy, but why does Apple get to define that? Right. right if exactly. we're going to define this, it shouldn't be Apple. It shouldn't be a company. It should be, you know, a regulation that's imposed. And I'm, I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm, you know, very happy to have that be done. But it shouldn't be a private company that's defining this. Oh, and by the way, it also supports them commercially. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. The problem is that regulators aren't in much better shape than than Apple and Google. Like Apple and Google certainly have become the de facto regulators, like which is ludicrous. But at the yeah. same time, GDPR and CCPA and a lot of these regulations, like they're not very good either. Like they've got a whole bunch of other problems and create a whole bunch of, you know, you know, consent management platforms in Europe. Yeah. Like I, I can't deal with. The ridiculous right. amount of pop-ups and whatever that, that people are saying like it's it's terrible like that that how is that good for anybody well yeah i mean gdpr is kind of a joke right like i mean that was basically just a tax everybody had to pay to you know mm -hmm. hire lawyers to to go over your plan yeah um you know and i was i was in europe uh for christmas um you know, my wife is european so we went there to visit her family and it's just like a, a quarter of like local news websites that i might read are just they just don't render 
Like, no, sorry, right. you're in your opinion and we can't, you know, it's just like, that's, yeah. that's what you, that's what this produces, right? It's, it's, uh, I mean, in some, in some ways, I mean, the GDPR had, had, you know, applaudable goals, right? And um, CCPA maybe less so, but um, well, it's more just like a little bit of a watered down version, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think what, what's kind of, you know, one point that people, you know, constantly make about GDPR and sort of like misapplying that, um, you know, that, that sort of uh, prototype to, to the IDFA often is like, well, everyone just clicks yes on GDPR. Well, yeah, but you know, you can craft your own messaging in the GDPR pop-up and, and also like, um, you know, which you can't in, in the IDFA pop-up or mm -hmm. not to, right. not, not, not totally. Um, it, you know, and also like, it's just about, you know, cook cookies and, and everything that you get there is kind of laid out, right? If you really right. research, what is GDPR? Like, it's, it's very easy to understand. Whereas yeah. like, okay, IDFA, like what's that? Or like, mm -hmm. I don't know. And, and the way that Apple's sort of like framed it is just like very loaded and scary versus just like, well, okay, you know, these cookies help us, um, you know, uh, not only, uh, not only, uh, you know, track you across sites, but also manage a lot of like session, just, just, yep. uh, you know, plumbing. And also you GDPR gives you the right to, you know, get your data back and all that kind of stuff. It actually gives mm -hmm. you control, right? Yep, Where, yep. Uh, mm -hmm. Just the, this binary, like opt in or out, or you in or out like Biff Tannen yep. style, it, it doesn't give you anything, right? Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't get anything by opting out. You just lose stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree with that. And I think it does, it does get, get to the point that like advertising is such an easy target. Like people don't like advertising that much. Like it's sort of, you know, a lot of it's sort of annoying to people. Like, you know, I've, I cut the cord seven years ago like i barely see three tv ads a year like i pay yeah. for netflix and amazon and disney plus and whatever else and and we don't right. see commercials and but that's a luxury that not everybody can afford and how do you get people access to to great information for free and and that's all because of advertising and like advertising fills a real role and, and also to your point like it can be relevant it can be good like i'm looking for a tv and i get an ad for that tv that's on sale now like that's pretty good. Like, I want to see that app. Like, show me that ad. So I remember to buy that TV because it's on yeah. sale. Like, like how, how do you, you know, how do we reframe the conversation so consumers understand like, you know, I don't want to say it's a necessary evil, but that's sort of what it is. Like it's, it pays for this stuff that you get. Yeah. Well, I, I would, I would go, you know, I would maybe, I would, I would, I don't know, necessary evil. It seems kind of pessimistic. I, I would say, yeah. look, it, 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 it creates a monetization opportunity, right. Mm -hmm. That allows uh, content to be made free. Right. Yeah. And, and your point about cord cutting is a, is a great one here. Well, that's what's going to happen when the open web is full of junk, non-targeted advertising. Right. right. Which which as TV ads are. Right. Yeah. This is, a, you know, the open web is about to become what TV content looks like, just filled with irrelevant junk ads. Yeah. Right. Which then cause people to cut cords and go buy paid services. That's exactly what's going to happen. Once the open web and, and the sort of app ecosystem look like TV, mm -hmm. um, like cable television and public access television, then what people are going to do is they're going to go buy those. They're going to have to go buy those premium services, right? That don't have any ads in it. Well, that's the future. If you liked, you know, now if TV, you know, in, in the TV case, you're only seeing the sort of like non-targeted ad, um, you know, scenario, you're not seeing that, Hey, if you know, these people had a little bit more information about what I watched and they could contextualize these ads, um, then they'd be relevant to me. Right. Um, and so I think like, yeah, this is what this is going to happen. It's going to push people into these sort of like paid services because otherwise the, the, the sort of free variants are not viable anymore because the ads, the, the way they monetize is, is just, uh, you know, so, so low value. Right. Right. So, so an interesting experiment for myself that I do occasionally is like, if you want to see the future of advertising on the open web, go to the New York times, 
And yeah. so I'll talk about, and like, so I'm a big New York Times supporter. I've been a subscriber for 20 years. I was a digital subscriber on day one. Um, I read tons of content on the New York Times. And, and so the New York Times should, and I'm logged in all the time across multiple mm-hmm. devices. Like the New York Times should know a lot about me. But New York Times has made the decision to turn off all like third-party, you know, yeah. data and as much as possible reduce partners. And um, they've made it; they've um, effectively pushed all of their um, exchange partners to be um, like service providers. Like they they can't right. share data, they can't do whatever. So when I look at the New York Times, and again, I'm logged in, and they know a ton about me. I see an ad for a workout gator, like I yeah. hate exercising. So that's not for me. Yeah, no. um, the workout gator again, Oh, sweat, sweatpants, which I don't want. Um, yeah. Weird, like bronze cheese graters. Don't know where that came from. Uh, yeah. I see that one twice now. Um, an ad for a uh, new apartment downtown where I, I'm not looking to move and wouldn't move downtown anyway. Um, like, like just, and like, they're not bad ads. They're just like, there's, there's no relevance at all to them. And, right. and like, for, and, and so to some level, like, I don't want to knock the New York Times because they think, like, they've got a great business strategy for what they're doing. Like, for them, like, they don't care about advertising that much. Like, they're mm-hmm. building a, a, a subscription-oriented business and a branded content team and things like that. And that's where they're making their money. And that's great for them. But that doesn't work for a lot of companies. And those ads also aren't very good. Like, as a consumer, I'm kind of like, yeah. they, don't make, they certainly don't make me think better of the New York Times. Yeah, and I pay for the New York Times. It's like, why am I seeing these junky ads? But it's funny also because I just, I just read an article... Um, it was an interview with someone at the New York Times, and they were saying that uh, in in taking that um, approach, in going in that direction, that they actually didn't lose any, uh, you know, sort of like uh, performance uh, efficiency. Um, but I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking about it now. I'm a New York Times subscriber, and and I, yeah, the ads are just junk. Yeah. Um, but I guess yeah, they don't care because they monetize me through the subscription. Uh, exactly. I, I forget the numbers, and it's worth looking into. But I think digital advertising is like less than like it's like three or four percent of their revenue, like and shrinking. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. like that's not where the that's not where the, their money's coming from. Like, and right. it's not their focus. Yeah. And, and great um, on them. Like, great that they can make money in other ways. Yeah. Why not? Right. If it's just icing on the cake, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. You wonder that, like, how that. I would love to know how that kind of transformed over the years, right? I imagine, like, going back to the '80s, advertising was seventy percent, right? Because mm-hmm. it was, you know, you know, I guess, like, uh, not digital. I mean, obviously, not digital, but like, yeah, just generally, yeah. advertising was, was yep. much, much more of a chunk. Um, and they, but they reacted really well, right? Like, they yep. they moved in, and and also, I think the era of Trump just drove a ton of subscriptions to like quality sure. newspapers. Yeah. Um. Okay, we got eight minutes left. I wanna I wanna talk about uh Facebook earnings today. So that we're recording this what on Wednesday. Um, the 27th Facebook earnings today and Tim Cook giving a speech tomorrow. Uh, we just briefly caught up before this. I think those two might be related. I think uh, Zuck's <laughs> going to come out of the gate hot today mm-hmm. in yep. the earnings call and he's going to attack Apple, which he's been doing. And um, it's, it's been uh, kind of a circus. Yep. Uh, and I think app Tim Cook is, is kind of, you know, uh, preempting that with this, you know, appearance tomorrow um in giving this talk about ads and why it's great to empower users with uh with a choice what do you what do you what do you well, first of all what do you think about facebook's pr campaign i mean you know facebook has the while in some ways what they're saying like is good and they're a business and they've got to protect their business like they're all, like the easiest target of any company out there like no, no one who's you know follows companies is like like oh facebook's like a great you know corporate yeah. actor like they like there's so right. many things to, to to blame them about so like you know i don't have a lot of sympathy for for them um and uh, you know they, they've got to run the campaign but it seems kind of futile um to me so that's that's my take at least 
Yeah, I just it comes off pretty phony, right? Like, mm-hmm. and no one cares about small advertising. Like, it's just if you're really trying to appeal to people's, um, you know, uh, sort of like sense of of uh, empathy, like it's just saying, oh, well, you know, the local florist is not going to be able to tar- target ads to you anymore. It's like what right. they were doing right. that? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, I I I think it was kind of a strategic blunder. I think they should have focused on this, uh, you know, freemium uh, viability angle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they have a smart comms team. Um, I imagine they, you know, made an informed decision here. I think right. though, it's it's it has been like the 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 kind of exchanges or not, not the exchanges, but like the sort of back and forth has gotten pretty hostile between mm-hmm. those two companies. You know, I wonder how this kind of how how this uh, you know sort of evolves. Yeah, I mean, you you ran the math. I saw um like what you think the impact's going to be to Facebook's revenues. I'm like, that's highly material. Like that's yeah. you know like it'll be interesting to see what Zuck does say say today. I'm like, I'm like really like, you know, probably won't be totally solid numbers yet, but like the beginnings of like their math around what's going to happen and what the impact's going to be, they're going to have to start putting that out into the world. And um, it's going to, it's going to be material. And that's, and I think all of this is really interesting because we who are on the open web are getting a little bit of a preview of what it could look like on the web in a year. Right. And I think, you know, IDFA is different and the, the ecosystem is different, but like there's a fair amount of, of overlap and similarity. So it'll be an interesting um, thing, what Facebook says, but then what, what happens to other companies in the next couple of months as well. Right. Cause it, what, what's interesting about this whole, you know, eight month, um, Jesus has been eight months <laughs> since WWC uh, is that Facebook's the only one that's really said anything about it. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, you know, the, and, and for that reason, everyone's like, oh, it's going to hurt Facebook disproportionately. Not really. It's going to hurt everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it might hurt Facebook disproportionately because they did disproportionately more with that data. Right? right. They were just better at collecting it. So they're going to hurt worse. But Google, too. I don't know why people don't think Google is like vulnerable to this. Google's UAC is exact kind of analog to Facebook's whole, um, you know, sort of mobile marketing suite of products. Uh, so I don't know why people don't, I mean, Google's bigger, right. And they've got, right. you know, more of a diversified sort of portfolio of advertising products, I guess, but right. still it's going to get hurt. Twitter's uh, Twitter probably won't get hurt. Twitter doesn't do that much, uh, uh, you know, user profiling, uh, snap, uh, they just launched their yeah. audience network. They just launched, uh, look like audiences and, uh, e- event, uh, event-based, uh, optimization. TikTok mm-hmm. just launched event-based optimization. I mean, all these companies are going to get, you know, impaired yeah. by this. Yeah. I mean, Google is an interesting point, like, and you know better than I do, but like, I would imagine UAC is under their, um, like network revenues. There's obviously not O&O revenue. And I do feel like from Google's perspective, like that, the network is like the least important part of their business. Like it's the lowest margin and it's a shrinking part of the total pie. Like their focus is on, is on YouTube and search. Um, because that's where, that's where all the money is. Um, I mean, they care about it obviously, but I'm, I think it might be a smaller impact on them, but we'll say. But UAC fills YouTube inventory. That's a good point. And and the problem there is actually that YouTube is most, what I've heard is most of the conversions that are uh, accounted for by YouTube are view through, right? Which just goes Got away. It. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That, that can be problematic. Um, yeah. Paul, this was a fat, I wish we had another hour. This is a fascinating conversation. I really <laughs> yeah, appreciate great. you taking the time. Where can people find you? How can people get in touch with you? How, how can people follow you? Uh, how can people follow you all across the web and maybe spy <laughs> on you from, from, their, from your bushes? Exactly. Uh, I, I never delete my third party cookies, so you can track me wherever you want to. Um, and I use Chrome and, and you know, highly supportive of, of advertising in the ecosystem. Uh, follow me on Twitter, P. Bannist, um, or you can feel free to email me, paul at cafemedia.com and happy to chat about all these things. Great. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on.
Um, I think we just we just recorded this at the most you know perfectly opportune time between you know a bunch of uh, exciting stuff that's happening. Um, have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Eric. Bye.